0: the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. I am Trevor Sykema. With me is Benjamin Solak on a Fan Friday edition of the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Ben, before we begin, we are at Friday. We've got four days of Shrine Bowl practices in the books. Got the game coming up on Saturday. Senior Bowl's already coming up next week. How do we feel? Where are we? Let's get a January update. January is often a very busy Hectic month? Do you still feel in control? Has your diet gone to absolute crap? Where are we on the sleep schedule? Wow, oh, so this is a full check-in. I feel like I'm in the doctor's yeah. office. No, I, well, I just want—I'm well, just checking up on you, man. I want to do it before we get to the questions. Want to make sure you're well. I'm trying to take care of my chickens. <laughs> No, every,
1: I mean, every day is a good day to be alive. Everything is delicious. Thank okay, you for you asking. Cool. Good, good. I mean, it's a it's a long week. It's a
0: busy week, but it's a good excuse to eat bad because you're always eating out, which is nice. Um, and then <laughs> It was funny. One, like- I, yesterday when we were at lunch, it was myself, Ben, and, and, and a couple other guys who were uh, in the TDN crew. Everybody else was getting, like, salads or wraps or something, which looked bomb. By the way, I'm not going to say that it didn't. But then Ben and I are sitting across the table from each other and we're like, yeah, we'll take the burger and fries. Like, give me the like the yep. the juiciest, biggest burger you possibly got.
1: Fifty percent of my meal was bacon, and I was pleased. <laughs> That's a good ratio. Yeah. Um, I mean, but no, like this is this is the time you wait all year for. So it's it's crazy and it's
0: hectic, but it's also like the bomb. So all right. Well, we have a lot of questions. Ever since we introduced this mailbag style of questions i feel like we've gotten a ton of responses and we even have some normal like ask me anything fan friday types of responses too so we got a lot of questions to get to but before we get to that i want to make sure that i let you guys know about tdn premium because it comes out in how many days ben well i mean the next time you will hear our podcast voices in your face There will be TDN Premium. There will be TDN Premium. Listen, at the Draft Network, we pride ourselves on being football's 33rd front office. And part of that, our mission is to provide you with NFL Draft knowledge for you to be the expert, which has never been better than it is right now, thanks to TDN Premium. When you become a TDN Premium member, you get exclusive access to different pieces of content, such as all the draft guides and Ben's contextualized quarterbacking that comes out at the end of the year, which are incredible pieces that our guys work on year-round. You get an ad-free experience on the site. The ability to make trades in the mock draft machine, which, you guys, we've been testing this for a little bit here, and I can safely say, Ben can probably safe-early say, that Kyle Krabs has done roughly 5 million trade scenarios for the Dolphins since he got his hands on it. Is $5 million a good number? Not even just for the Dolphins. He just,
1: he'll just be able to look at the list and he'll go, you know, we're going we're gonna to do it for the Texans. Even though like, he knows the
0: Texans don't have high picks, he just wants to like see what it's like. If, if you thought that the mock draft machine was addictive before, you're going to have no yeah. idea how much you're going to do once you have trade functions. It's absolutely incredible. Okay, so to, to sign up for TDN's premium... Visit www.thedraftnetwork.com, then either create an account or upgrade your current account to a TDN premium account for $9.99 a month, or you can get the same value, or you can get the same things for a much better value if you do a yearly subscription, which is $29.99. So, if you're good at math, you can figure out that signing up for a year is a lot better than doing the monthly Even if you were to only do it during draft season over the four months, you'd be saving yourself 10 bucks. And even if you're bad at math, I just explained it to you. (laughs) I'm trying to save you guys money. Again, if you guys want to be the best draft experts that you possibly can, we have tons of exclusive content, access. The mock draft machine is taking things to a next level. Sign up, www.thedraftnetwork.com. Upgrade your account. You will not regret it. Ben, how excited are you for Monday? For real, though. This is, I mean, like, like, we're giddy. Yeah, I mean,
1: this, we, we're, there's a good chance we're going to be the most, like, it's you're, the first day of Senior Bowl, and there's a chance I don't make it to practice, Oh, I won't I, be able I do like, not to think that it. you're
0: going to be able to make it to practice on Monday. Well, no, there's no practice on Monday, so practice starts Tuesday, right? We got the weigh-ins in the morning, then the first practice is actually on Tuesday. However... There's all kinds of like meet and greet check in everything events. You're gonna be like, get me to the hotel room right now, and you're gonna like post up and you're gonna be monitoring the site the whole time. Somebody's gotta do it. Cause you gotta bring the good people this content and oh buddy will the content be good. Alright. Ready to get it going? Yes, absolutely. Bryce, as he often does, leads us off. I think it's just because I follow Bryce and his name is like at the top of the questions. I don't really. Probably. I think, yeah, Bryce is always the very first one that I read. Shout out, Bryce. Why does everything have to end with bowl in college football? So I
1: looked it up, right? Yes. The initial college football ever, like playoff games were played at the Rose Was bowl between and bowling. bowling Green. Yes, and bowl state university yeah the bowl state so they were initially played at the rose bowl and the rose bowl is a bowlish shape right it's a very bowl looking stadium um and it was actually modeled after the yale bowl which is one of the uh, first ever college stadiums which is also very bowl shaped and a lot of old stadiums have that look because that was like really the only look that was commonly constructed at the time and so when those playoff games were played at the rose bowl they were called bowl games because they were played at the stadium, which people called the Rose Bowl. It was was the bowl. Um, And so then that name has stuck and then obviously subsequently proliferated. So now every – good word. Thank you. So now every postseason game, obviously like Super Bowl and Pro Bowl, like this is leaked into the pros as well, is called a bowl game because they refer back to those old playoff games that were played inside the Rose Bowl. So basically because the people at Yale couldn't figure out a different shape for their stadium other than bowl looking – we now have everything called a bowl.
0: If I had to guess, I would have said that because the very first halftime performance of a of a big college football matchup in the postseason, Bowling for Soup was the band that played at halftime. That's what I would have guessed. If I had to guess, that's what I would have said. But, I
1: don't think the timelines on that match up, but I appreciate that that's your theory. You know,
0: I didn't. Yeah, I, you know, I wasn't. I wasn't exactly sure, but I was pretty confident. You know, because. Bowling Soup's got some some bangers. So I, I just naturally assumed, as anyone would, that uh, college bowl games would have been named after the band Bowling for Soup. But I, I guess your answer kind of works too. I also thought about uh, a Chipotle burrito bowl. but Yes,
1: which we have a burrito bowl-related question later. We in do indeed.
0: We will get to that. Friday, I promise yes. you we will get to that. Mitch asked, why is Justin Herbert on the South Squad when he is from slash went to Oregon? Hmm. Well, directional question here, and if Burrow goes, are they both going to be on the South team?
1: So, Herbert is on
0: the South team
1: because the Bengals are coaching the South.
0: Correct. Team. And it is this the the Senior Bowl rosters are less about directional integrity, and they are much more about the coaching staffs that are going to be coaching certain players.
1: Now why the Bengals couldn't just coach the North team? I don't know. Unless it's the idea of we want Burrow to be on the South team because there's a chance we have a lot of LSU people there in the event that Burrow goes because LSU is geographically close to Alabama and then the people can get to Mobile and so we want to make sure Burrow's on the South team to emphasize the regionality that he's in LSU Alabama territory and so the Bengals need to be coaching the South team and then we'll just make Justin Herbert go in the South team because nobody really cares that much about Justin Herbert relative to Joe Burrow. Then I get it. Do you? But other than that, I don't really know why they couldn't just make the Bengals coach the North team and lead Justin Herbert there. So that's my working theory. But the main thing is, like, don't get too tied up on the on the locations. They'll use that for a lot of the, you know, players who, who are just good players who are going to see how good they are. But for things like, you know, a team holding the first overall pick who needs a quarterback, they're going to cater to what that team wants the position.
0: They should they should rename them, like, leaders and legends, like the Big Ten had it. You know? Just, just get the directions out I don't, of not I don't know that. What's that from? The Big Ten. They're, you said. What are leaders and legends? They're, they're conferences instead of what is it? What is it now? Like North and, and South? West. What within the Big, the big Ten? ten and East and West. Yeah. So before it was Big and Ten, it, it was like the Legends Division and the Leaders Division.
1: Oh wow! Would you have wanted to be a legend or a leader?
0: A legend. I don't. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't care. I don't care what other people. I
1: Immediately scratch all leader
0: schools off of my. Yeah, of course. Recruiting list. Yeah, I'm trying to be a legend, dude. I'm not going to college football to be a leader. Three stars go to college football to be a leader. I'm trying to get remembered. Um, <laughs> can either of you guys name three professional bowlers without the help of the internet? Now, the reason why this question was asked is because Ben's exact wording of how he set up this Fan Friday question was, hey, what if you guys asked me and at Tampa Bay Trey questions for Fan Friday about shrine bowlers, senior bowlers, Serial bowlers, bowl makers, and professional bowlers? That's what Ben literally asked. So then we get a question like, can you name three professional bowlers without help? And the only bowler that I can name was Dave Mira just because of the show, Can You Bowl from ESPN. That's it. That's all I got. Okay. And right, he wasn't so even a professional had... bowler, but he was really good.
1: Right, so I only had two, right, which is, number one, the dude who yells the thing, uh, whoever you think you are, I am. Yes, which obviously... do
0: you know his name?
1: No, obviously not, but he doesn't have a name. He's just that guy. Like, that's, that's... – his name is less renowned now than who do you think you are, I am, which means who do you think you are, I am, is officially his new name. If more people know – that than your actual given name, then you are now that guy. It's like kombucha girl. Nobody knows kombucha girl's name. She's kombucha girl. He is who do you think you are Wait, I am. who's That's kombucha girl? The chick from the, the the one TikTok who like drinks kombucha and then makes the various faces. Oh oh, oh, oh. yeah yeah yeah. See yeah. what I'm saying? Okay, like you yes. get you, you become known by that with which you're associated, which then becomes your name, your your associated title. Um and then I also know Jason Belmonte, who's the Australian guy who bowls with two hands. But I don't have one more. So who do you think? You, but I also know both these guys because of the internet. Just not. Bef- I knew them way before this question. So everything I know is because of because of the internet. I think that's fair. No, literally, literally, I I, I couldn't name you a, a pro bowler. I couldn't. Per sources, the name of the who do you think you are? I am guy is uh-huh. Dick Weber, Dick Weber, Dick Weber. The sources being Kyle, who's in the room with me and is texting me. Dick Weber, huh? Dick Weber, who do you think you are? I am. He's an important person. So
0: Kyle knew that name? Kyle knew who that was? Apparently Kyle
1: knew it off the cuff. Wow. Kyle's a big Kyle's a big pro bowling man, apparently. Yeah, no. He's the
0: one doing the fog. No, I couldn't name you one. Really couldn't. R.I.P. Dave Mirror, though. R.I.P. Uh, Trevor Joseph, which is at every Trevor Ever, said after watching a week of shrine game practices. Which two players, one on offense, one on defense, would you pound the table for your team's to draft? Eagles or Bucks?
1: All right. So um, I tried to go with guys that I didn't necessarily talk about too much on social because I think they're still good players and they're solid depth players you want on your team, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, on offense, I picked Benny LeMay, who's the Charlotte running back. LeMay is okay. a yoked up dude. He's 5'8", he's over 200. Um So super dense. He's got soft hands catching as well. So I think he's a good RB3. He's a good depth piece. The Eagles don't have Jordan Howard under contract in 2020. And with the performance of Miles Sanders and then the backup performance of Boston Scott, I don't anticipate them shelling out big money for Howard. Maybe they're able to keep him, but I'm, I'm not... Locked in on that. So if they don't, they need a guy who I think gives them a better short yardage profile than what you currently get from Sanders and Scott. And Scott's a decent short yardage guy. He's also a a shorter guy who's got good thickness, but he's not nearly as dense as Benny LeMay is. I think LeMay could fill that role for the Eagles and also still not be a liability catching the football, which is important in Philadelphia. So Benny LeMay. And then on the defensive side of the football, the Eagles need a lot of depth at a lot of linebacker spots. Um, You know, starting Nigel Bradham this year, TJ Edwards was taking snaps. I like Michael Walker, who's this kid out of Fresno. I like him as a day three guy, right? He's a little bit undersized, a little bit leaner. You'd add more mass to him. He's a Juco guy who's, who's been a starter there for a couple of years, and they bounced around his position a little bit. They'll move him on ball and stuff. Um, so I think he's got experience doing a lot of things, and he's a solid athlete, which is what allows him to have that that range of of, of positions. So he's not dissimilar to Camus Rouge hill who they already have on the roster a Southern Illinois kid. Um, but it's nice because bo- both those guys can back up multiple positions. That helps you steal roster spots for other positions. So, LeMay and Michael Walker are day three guys from this group that I would want.
0: Um, it's kind of interesting because I th- I think the guys who have been performing maybe the best at practice aren't exactly positions of need. Like I think Juwan Johnson's been great from Oregon. Uh, Aaron Parker from Rhode Island had I think has had a really good week. I've liked Isaiah Wright, another wide receiver from from Temple. So, like, I've liked a lot of those guys. And then, like, on the defensive side, I think some corners have been playing really well. Keith Washington's been playing great. Um, Chris Williamson, I think, has been playing well as well. Both those guys are the West Corners. I think they've been playing really great, but it's not like the Bucs have those needs. So, I wanted to shout those guys out. I guess for the Bucks, relative to their elite needs, I'm taking Kevin Dotson, Louisiana right guard. Thought he had a really good first day. Ben, do you really pay a ton of attention? I know you said the second day he wasn't as good. Did Did Johnson
1: he, worries me. He's got a lot of upper body power, but I don't think the lower body power matches. And I think that then there's balance concerns. So no, like, so I think he, we can we, we can
0: coach that out of him. Well, you
1: you need to work on his lower half. It's because fine. right now he's all upper body power. And if it's he's great. forced into a re-anchoring position or into a climbing position, I don't think he's an effective player right this, now. So it, he's that's,
0: limited. It's it's fine. If you can't bench 225, your girl's single. Okay? That's that's all he's going for. Oh he's wow. Just, Interesting. He's it's just you know? making sure. He's just making sure that he's he, he's upholding that. Um, and then on the defensive side of the football, I'll go with the guy that you like. I'll go with Khalil Davis. I think that that's a he's he's somebody that Tampa would need. He would bring him versatility along the defensive line. Could play an interior spot. Uh, I talked to him after practice on Wednesday, I believe, and he said that he also loves he also loves lining up a five tech. You know, almost kind of like a defensive end kind of a thing. But uh, so I, yeah, I would go with him. I think that they've had a lot of success at their positions in the trenches. That's where the Buccaneers need. That's probably where I would go. Brian said, uh, Brian asked observations and opinions on Kendall Coleman after watching him compete at shrine game practices.
1: Yeah. I was joking earlier in the week. I said, you take Kendall Coleman's speed dip and you put it into Alton Robinson and we got ourselves a complete football player, right? We just take the two Syracuse edges, we fusion dance and we're good. We got a first rounder, but right now they're both incomplete players. So with Coleman, the best reps he's had so far this week have been one on ones, set hot, first step, explosive length. He's able to uh, attack a, a tackle who doesn't necessarily have the most uh, uh, established and, and dynamic pass set, some of these lumberers on the outside. He's able to quickly uh, get shoulder to shoulder, and then he does that really nice job reducing that surface area. He's able to uh, to lower and then rip his arm through contact, flatten the angle, and get to the quarterback. So those are his best reps. He hasn't really shown a rush move outside of that, right? So everything is a quick high side rush. Uh, you know, m- Maybe there's a swipe. Maybe there's a club. It's usually a rip. But there's not like a ton of advanced hand usage there to soften that angle. It's just a race to the outside shoulder. That is fine. That's helpful. That's objectively good. If you have an offensive system where you're regularly having stand-up, you know, two-point stance, seven tech nine technique outside rushers kendall coleman is the, the sort of depth piece that you want you can get him on the field you can impact the quarterback um but functionally on film we obviously don't see too much of this during practice but functionally on film he's not a great run defender he doesn't have good mass and then when when they work him on like inside slants or anything like that he's an ineffective player he doesn't have a, a speed to power which would be really the next thing you would want to build out in his game so i think that we have an incomplete situational player in coleman and we have a a a high upside developing player and out in Robinson getting Coleman's best moves into Robinson or getting Robinson's strength length into Coleman
0: would help both fire out tremendously. But right now they're both incomplete players. It's fair. I think Coleman did really well this week just because of the competition that he was up against here at the, here at the shrine bowl. But I do think that he stood out in a lot of different ways. I also talked to him after one of the practices. He's a really good dude and he's a smart dude too. So, um, He's definitely going to win some teams over in the interviews. I'll just give you a little background there. I know Ben highlighted some of the abilities and, and limitations that he has there, and, and and I would agree with most of that. But uh, in terms of kind of like sitting the, the guy down and uh, really getting to know him, even from the, shoot, I don't know, five to eight minutes it was, whatever, that I interviewed him, he's uh, he's going to win some people over some interviews. And he's a really bright kid. Um. Mm-hmm. Uh... Uh, That's kind of a question that we already had. All right, which 2020 draft prospects could see their stock Munsoned by a poor performance at the Shrine, Senior Bowl, or Combine? Uh, I have to give people the exact definition of Munsoned before we go on. Uh, I had it up here, but now I don't. You know, bad podcasting. Okay. It's an adjective. To be up a creek without a paddle, that's number one. Or two, to have the whole world in the palm of your hand and blow it. Oh, wow. Did you see this question or did you miss this one?
1: No, no, no. I saw it. I didn't go as deep. I just assumed Munson meant like bad things happen. I didn't realize this was like a legit verb that we had. It is a
0: legit verb. Well, technically it said it was an adjective.
1: Well, but, definitely, if you're munsoning something, something, you're verbing it. It's very
0: true. It. That is very true. So, okay, Nate, give me a Shrine, a Senior Bowl, and a Combine guy.
1: All right, so, in, okay, so in the in the sense of, like, you know, have the, the world at their disposal and, and, and failed it. to – What's that? And blow it. And blow it, right, okay. Senior Bowl guy is clearly Justin Herbert, right? Herbert's going to be the best quarterback at the Senior Bowl. That's the expectation of him coming in, assuming Joe Burrow doesn't come. He also is on the Cincinnati team. Herbert's next week performance is the hinge on which draft chaos rests, right? Like, it's the hinge on which it turns. If Herbert comes out and is average, since he's going Burrow to one, if Herbert comes out and he's great, since he's going Burrow to one, whatever, Herbert has a chance to force the issue of putting himself in the conversation of a top five pick, of making the Bengals – doubt their burrow pick because burrow didn't show up but if he fails to do so then he's quarterback three off the board and he's he's staying at his current stock so big opportunity for herbert big opportunity for him to throw a wrench in the draft order he maybe he messes that up if he doesn't that's a big problem um combine it's probably someone like henry ruggs in the event of, like henry ruggs's stock is currently predicated on the idea that he's potentially setting the record in the 40-yard dash
0: mm-hmm.
1: if Ruggs either fails to run due to injury or runs sub expectation, which expectations have been set sky high for him. Right? It, that's that's,
0: that's gonna be that's be so hilarious too, because like if rugs runs a 4-4-1, four, four, which is extremely fast, we will all right. be like, oh. Okay. Right.
1: So right now the entire round one stock of Henry Ruggs is predicated on the idea that he's super fast, right? So if he doesn't run a super fast time. Or he's not able to run for whatever reason, then we're starting to talk about drafting the third best target on a wide open offense for a pretty fast guy. It's not like, you know, that's that's not around one player, right? So whenever you're you're a freak athlete, which I believe rugs to be, yeah, you have to be careful calibrating expectation into the combine. It's like whenever, you know, agents are trying to hype up their guys in the combine, they're like, Yeah, he's running a laser time four four two. And he comes down and he runs like a four four eight. It's like a great time for him, but you set an expectation that he shouldn't have. He wasn't able to reach. You know, so you have to be able to calibrate expectation coming into this. Shrine week, I don't really think anybody.
0: I would said so. Out. So my outside the box ones, because I'll kind of agree with you with the Senior Bowl one. Uh, I might throw Jordan Love in there, but for Shrine, for me, it was Tyler Johnson. Like. Oh, that's a really good one. Tyler Johnson would have been the best player here, without a doubt.
1: He would have been the best player
0: here. No question. He would have been our highest guy on our board. I think he would have killed the competition. I thought he would have played really well. And we kind of tried to figure out why Tyler Johnson just all of a sudden was not on the roster. And it just sounds like he just backed out. Like, he wasn't hurt. It, It didn't sound like that he was going to get called up to the Senior Bowl. Although, maybe he thought that he was going to more than what was actually true. So... I don't really know, but I think it was Tyler Johnson. Tyler Johnson could have showed up this week, put on a highlight every single day, and really proved to a lot of people that, like, this dude shouldn't have been, should not have been at this event. He should have been at the Senior Bowl. So I feel like by not showing up at all, he's kind of proving the people who were not high on his draft stock right. And then to go outside the box with the combine a little bit, I agree with you with the athletic standpoint, but. My big one is just Tua if, with medicals. That's, and I, I understand that like he, he can't necessarily do anything, so it's not like he's munsoning himself. It's not like he's necessarily blowing it. But right. if Tua decided to come out this year knowing that there was a good chance that he might fail combine medicals, that's not good. So like if he, if he ends up failing combine medicals, then we're kind of in a different boat than where we were on the day that we did the podcast when he declared for the draft where we thought that he was still going to be a high pick. So those would be two outside-the-box ones that I would say, and then I agree with you on the Senior Bowl one. Is there anybody else that, that you wanted to chime in before we moved on?
1: No, that was a good one. The other player who I'm interested to see medicals on is Grand Delpit. Um, oh, shoulders? I think Delpit's shoulders are probably. What about Tyler Biotis too? Yeah, I mean, Beatish, we don't anticipate good news. Um, so, honestly, he's got those low expectations that you could actually exceed, which would be nice. Um, but I think Delpin might get medically flagged, and if he does, it's a big problem.
0: Big problem. Uh, Ryan asked, the coach of your NFL team has been fired. Congratulations. I don't know, congratulations. I think Bruce Arian's a good guy. It's not very nice to you, Ryan. Man's got a family. He's doing a lot of good things. He's bringing up a lot of good coaches in the league. He's a good mentor to players. This is not celebratory. What's your deal, man? What's your problem? Yeah. You now have the job. What are the first three things that you do to make your team better? Coaching, personnel, and otherwise. You want me to go first, or you? Uh, I can go first. Yeah. I'm very simple.
1: Uh, the Eagles don't have an offensive coordinator as of now. Uh, the coordinator that I would want to most add would be Todd Monken. Now, the thing about Todd Monken is he wants oh, to call plays. Oh. And he's a little bit, yeah, that's right. There's a pro Todd mocking podcast. I forgot. <laughs> yeah. Todd is your boy. I do like Todd. Um, I do like yeah, Todd. Yeah, and, and, and Todd's a bit of an explosive personality, which makes things a little tricky. <laughs> yes, uh, he, he A lot of the issues that he had in Cleveland under Kitchens were, you know, he was a little bit too public about his criticisms of Freddie's play calling, which is not great. Um, so there's there's some issues that would concern an owner. But apparently I'm the coach and I've got three decisions like a magic genie here. So I'm going <laughs> to bypass those and I'm going to sign myself some Todd Monkin. The next thing I do is, and this is like, you know, big sad, but I, I, I make sure I figure out how Jason Peters is not starting next year because everybody assumed Peters was going to stop starting after 2018. I mean, after the 2017, like the senior, the Super Bowl win, right? And he wanted to stay. And then he's back in 2018. He wasn't that great in 2018. He had the injury. And then it was like, okay, you're probably not going to be back. And then he was like, no, I'm back in 2019. I was like, all right, cool, 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 cool. Well, we're going to draft Andre Dillard. Once they drafted Andre Dillard, we were all like, okay, there's no way Peters is coming back. And then after the Seahawks lost in the playoffs, Eagles beats ask Michael, like, well, what are your plans? He was like, I want to be back here next year. We were all like, dude, like, we love you. You were amazing. You're a huge part of the reason I won the Super Bowl. You obviously got injured that season, but it's fine. Um, you are a, such an admirable dude. You're the bodyguard. You're a Hall of Famer. It's great, but like, it, Leave. You're, you're 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 bro. You're you're super old and you're you're injured, and you just like it's it's time, right? You're not the same player. And with Dillard in the wings, it's just frustrating because you want to step into the next generation. So whether it's him retiring, I don't think he'll be cut, but whatever it is, to get peters to acknowledge that dillard's going to start next year that's what i would do now the third thing is i would do would be i would name doug peterson my replacement i would retire because I, I i got todd monken and i got Audrey dillard starting and now i don't want to make any more of these decisions okay uh, i think the best head coach for the eagles is doug peterson not me so i'm gonna give him my job and i'm gonna go chill with my severance package on a beach
0: somewhere That was good. That was a good loophole. I feel like I'm normally the one that comes up with the the funny loopholes, but that was good. I didn't even think of that one. Well done. What can I say? Uh, All right, for the Bucks, I am trading the farm to get up to number three. I'm drafting Tua. Uh, I am bringing back. Interesting that the coach can do that. I forgot. He said or personnel, right? Oh, that's right. Coaching personnel or otherwise. And oh, and, so and we, that or so otherwise so you're is going to come into it's going to come into play for number three. Yep, it's the creamsicles. All right, go ahead. So hang on to your butts because we're bringing back everybody in the front seven from last year, and here it is, creamsicle jerseys. Creamsicles, baby. That's where we're going. Matching game one bad. out the gate, Tua Tungo Viloa, creamsicle jersey. How many
1: two O creamsicles would the box sell in the first week?
0: The limit does not exist; it's endless. The limit does not exist. I almost wanna, I almost wanna buy one now. Just does no. It's not gonna happen. Just in case. Yeah, you never know. Get ahead that. of the rush. Dennis asked, "All right, from the Vanderbilt offensive Doug Trio, which is a Pokemon reference, which is a wonderful reference of Keyshawn Vaughn, running back." Elijah Lipscomb wide receiver Jared Pinkney tight end all participating at the senior Bowl who are you looking forward to having a lasting impact on his draft stock most
1: right so I think that the best answer here is 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 Pinckney and it's a little bit to do with the other guys okay and then so I, do... I,
0: we're in complete agreement so yeah yeah go
1: on. I didn't like Vaughn's film the way I expected <sighs> to yeah what was that what was that noise I like Vaughn oh well uh, he's fine. Like he's he's nothing exciting to me, uh, <gasps> <yeah>. and obviously <laughs> I'm just not accustomed to that sound at all. Uh, totally okay. I'm true. so worried you're just gonna make it. That's how yeah, it. Totally. Nice to- you're just gonna <laughs> do the nice rest. The rest of our pods in fear. It's just you making this wounded <laughs> elephant sound anytime I'm gonna wake pulse. up in
0: the middle of the night and just gonna like be in a cold sweat and you yep. think you're gonna hear it.
1: Okay, so Vaughn is. A fine player. Um, running back class is super good. He doesn't have, I think, any special traits. You hang your hat on. I know he's a fast guy, but I don't think he gets to the third level that consistently. So it, it doesn't do too much for me. Uh, Kalijah Lipscomb is 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 a an average slot in a class with ten thousand bodies. You know what I mean? Like I don't see him as a as a standout day one or day two player. Pinkney size and a seam runner is always a good profile. I mean, there's 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 a handful of them already in the league. It's not like that's like a unique role or anything. You know, we're not talking about a player who can be like a Bryson Hopkins or, or a Hunter Bryant who can line up in the H-backer in the slot and run a whole route tree. Like, Pingney's going to be an inline guy. He's going to have a, a a smaller route tree, and he's not a great blocker, to be honest, which is what worries you about his inline deployment, but the tight end class is super weak, and Pigney still has size, speed, and hands. And like, size, speed, and hands gives you explosive plays up the seam. And that's the base of what you want your tight end to be able to do when you're putting a guy in line. You want him to be able to climb up field, get behind a linebacker, turn, and make a contested catch. I think Pinkney's got that profile, and so that gives him a high floor. Uh, so Pinkney would be the guy that I would say has the, has the the best chance of post-senior bowl being a guy who we talk about in terms of a potential draft pick in the first like 100 picks.
0: Yeah, I like Vaughn. I think uh, clearly a little bit higher on, on what he could do than you are. But but if you want a guy to stand out in this class, especially for the draft's sake, it's Jared Pinkney. You would like him to have a really good week. I think, think that could have a ripple effect on a lot of different stuff in the class. So certainly for a lot of teams, they're looking for tight end play. They're hoping that, Dar- that Jared Pinkney is the guy who stands out. Panthers should draft Isaiah Simmons at seven, if he is available and trade back into the end of the first round for Jacob Eason discuss. What would you like me to read it again? Yes. Panthers should draft Isaiah Simmons at seven, if available I assume obviously due to Luke Keekly retiring and then trade back into the end of the first round for Jacob Eason.
1: Okay. I did not see this one. Um, I gave the Panthers Jalen hurts at their regular round two pick. And everybody was big upset because they were like, Oh, another non first round quarterback. They're going to try to develop into something and it's not going to work. Man, Jacob Eason is not a, a, not any better than Jalen Hurts is, and he, he's now now you're up for him. I don't think that's good. Um, I like the idea of Simmons at seven. I do a lot. Um, Simmons next to Shaq Thompson's a problem. Yeah, you're going to be able to cover a lot of underneath routes, a lot of tight ends and running backs, a lot of quick crossers, a lot of of quick West Coast concepts. You're going to make quarterbacks stay in the pocket longer and try to throw the ball in further downfield into tighter windows. You're going to take away a lot of the quick game stuff. You're going to help your pass rush get sacks. Cool. But I don't love the idea of Easton back in the first round. I really think you could be able to sit at, at 41, 40, 40. I don't, I don't know if I agree with 40.
0: that.
1: I think you'd be able to sit. Well, I'll put it to you this way. If you, is it okay? It's trade up back in the first round for, yeah. Eason, which would cost you at least like a four, if not a three to do. Mm-hmm. So it's either cost it's like 69 or, or 104 to nice. trade that up. Or if you stay at 38, and I, I can almost guarantee you at 38, you're getting one of Eason Hurts from. I would rather stay.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know what's going to happen with the quarterbacks. And if you need one, I think... The, the the problem with this is that if the Panthers do need a quarterback, uh, you you would have a hard time convincing me not to take one at seven, if not moving up for one in the draft. So I think that in a vacuum, this is a decent strategy. Drafting Isaiah Simmons I think would be awesome. It would certainly allow them to not have nearly as much drop-off as one would normally think after losing a guy like Luke Kuechly. So in that sense, I, I I like the thought of Isaiah Simmons in Carolina. But if they need a quarterback – I I mean I just don't love that, hey, yeah, we're comfortable with our second pick being a quarterback. It just does not, I just don't think it works out very often. There are cases where it has, but you also really, really don't want to play the game. At least I don't think so, especially when it comes to being the quarterback of going, hey, we'll get one of these three guys. No, no, no. There's no way all three of those guys are good for your team. There's. You've likely interviewed all of them. You've likely broken down what they do, what you want your offense to do, and somebody is a clear-cut, better fit for what your team and your coaching staff is going to be. And for you to sit back and go, yeah, we'd be okay with not getting our top choice, is a really, really bad way to approach the quarterback position, if you ask me. So, I think it's an interesting discussion, and that is what the point of the question was, was to discuss, because... In a vacuum, maybe those players are okay. I don't love Jacob Eason. I think that Ben and I are a little bit lower on Jacob Eason than most people are. But mm-hmm. if it, that's my main takeaway is that if they need a quarterback, I don't I don't I feel comfortable with them just getting all nonchalant, like, ah, we'll draft one with our second pick. It's fine. Cause it just you just never that's so many picks to go by from seven to even like 29 or whatever it's going to be. You know, like low 30s, whatever. That's, that's 20, 30 picks from where you picked the first time. So much can happen in between then. I just wouldn't trust it. That's my thoughts there. Right, and it's like
1: this question sounds like it comes from a place of an unwillingness to draft Herbert at seven. And, and that's, like, yeah, that's know, the like,
0: baseline of a lot of questions that we get is a lot of fans are just not bullish on Herbert.
1: Right, which like I get, but I like... While it feels smarter, like okay, get Herbert at seven, and then versus get Simmons at seven, then you're able to get a a quarterback at 38. Man, I like I I I can understand not being all the way in on Herbert, but I really do think in terms of likelihood to get a starting quarterback, the difference between Herbert and like Eason Hurts from is so stark that like it's willing to spend seven instead of 38. You see what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah. So I. I mean that and that and like you know. I understand when folks disagree with me on that, but I, I'm confident enough in Herbert that I think the chance
0: is better. You see what I'm saying? Yep. 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 Garrett asks us a serial draft question. Do you have this question up, Ben? I believe so. Okay, because there's a list of serials that he wanted us... He says to draft, so I didn't do a power ranking. I thought that you and I were going to go back and forth at draft. Yes, I have a big board created. Okay, so in the cereal pool, we have Reese's Puffs, Cinnamon Life, Fruity Pebbles, Raisin Brand, Frosted Flakes, Apple Jacks, Captain Crunch, Pops, Tricks, Lucky Charms. <laughs> you want the first Your pick? My first pick? My uh, first pick? Yeah it's my, yeah, it's my podcast. Why not? Good um, point, good point, good point. I'm going Captain Crunch, number one. Oh, wow. Awful. Um, I'll take Reese's Pots, Thank you kindly. Okay.
1: Uh, Frosted Flakes. All right. I take Apple Jacks. Oh,
0: damn it. That would have been my next one.
1: You son yeah, of a gun.
0: I'm already winning handily. Is Cinnamon Life like Cinnamon Toast Crunch, or is that different?
1: It's different. This is Life cereal with cinnamon dusting on top. Mm, see, that
0: is not the same. Yes. That is not the same. All right, I I'll go fruity pebbles. Fruity pebbles. Yes. Good pick. All right, I will take. It. Thank you. Lucky charms. Uh, sleeper. Raisin bran. What's up? God dang it! What's up? Sneaking, right. sneaking it, sneak it right there. I'm owning the mid round, baby.
1: All right, I will take cinnamon life. Uh, pops. No idea what Pops is, by the way. No clue what that thing is. What is Pops? Uh,
0: it's... Just Google it. Just Google it right now. Just Pops... What, like you did with Cinnamon cereal. Life? Well, no, I didn't even... I didn't even Google. I don't know, I don't know how to explain Pops. It's That's literally just saying. like you a very... throw
1: me a... Well, just Google it when you didn't know what a cereal was No, one I, <laughs> <laughs> I
0: wasn't even saying it condescendingly. I was just like, I don't know how to describe Pops to you. It's like the yeah, most no. plain form of cereal. Right. It's very odd. Yeah. Um
1: okay so then i end with tricks yeah uh you will notice that i have a significantly greater variety of cereals whereas you have mostly just cinnamonly garbage or sugary garbage and then raisin brown uh, okay. i got reese's pops for the peanut butter flavor i got apple jacks for fruity flavor i got lucky charms we got marshmallow okay what got- if follow
0: me here all of those flavors that you have that are different are inferior to greater flavors that i chose you have Captain Crunch and Frosted Flakes yep. and Fruity Pebbles, which yep. basically all taste exactly the same. All right, everybody, we're going to have an opening for a new podcast co-host <laughs> starting <laughs> on you Monday. Know. You know, if if I you, know you know sign up you for want. a if you sign up for a TDN premium account, you will put your name in the hat to also co-host the Locked On NFL Draft podcast. Unbelievable! Uh, spe- uh, you know, keeping with the Reese's theme. You did get Reese's puffs though, so hat off to you. Mark Jarvis asked how many Reese's cups will you guys eat next week? It is they it is the Reese's Senior Bowl and with that there are a lot of Reese's cups. They're flowing around all week whether you're at meetings whether you are interviewing prospects whether you're at practice it's I'm I'm shocked that they don't even have a, a like a beer vendor that doesn't sell beer. It just Reese's Puffs and doesn't even sell them. He just hands them out. Right. So the thing is like they'll be right by the main desk for
1: registration. There'll be a big Reese's helmet with like a depression in the top and there'll be Reese's inside of that. And they also put other Hershey candy in the top. I know exactly what you meant, but it just sounded hilarious. Right. Right. So there'll also be other Hershey candy in there, which is ridiculous. Like by Thursday, it would yeah, be like course. Hershey bars. And you're like, stop it right now. It's not what this is. But anyway um so basically anytime you walk by that you get one and you end up walking by that a lot in the first couple days so like if you ate four the first day like three the second day probably don't do as much over the next couple days because like i should probably stop you probably eat like nine to ten so that's my answer
0: yeah you probably do uh next question uh, well how many am i gonna, gonna eat yeah nine to ten no i'm not gonna eat that many i don't have that much of a sweet tooth you got more of a sweet tooth than i do uh, I absolutely do. I I'm, no probab- I'm dead ass probably only gonna eat like two or three. I'm gonna try to have some self-control. I'm gonna save I'm gonna save most of my taste buds for barbecue. Alabama barbecue. That's what I'm gonna be doing. Oh wow. Todd Monkin was just
1: hired by Kirby Smart at Georgia. Oh damn. Georgia start throwing the ball question mark? shit. <laughs> oh man, all of them Florida fans. With your eleven and one
0: season last year. Oh, look at our schedule. Oh, we're not gonna lose any. No, we're still beating Georgia. No. No, we're still beating Georgia. We're doing it. Florida's winning the okay. East next year. Yep, I've heard. Sean asked, who is the tallest person you've ever taken a picture with? And what must we do to release said picture? Ben, do you have a do you have a person that pops off at the top of your head?
1: Right. So I'm pretty sure Joe has a picture of me, or at least took a picture of me. I don't know if he saved it. Of me with Caleb McGarry at the combine last year. That would be a big I, one. I, yeah, I wrote. I wrote about literally. Caleb. Yeah, I wrote about Caleb uh, last year in the in the in the pre-draft cycle, and I hadn't met him. Uh, I had just uh, written about him and I spoke with him over the phone, and so I was like, "All right, the combine, I'll come say hi." And so at after they do, you know, so they do the weigh-ins on one day, and then the next day they're, they're at the podiums for interviews and whatnot. And I went up to go say hi to Caleb, and Caleb is 6'7 and change, and I am five nine in shoes, and Caleb's also like three twenty or something, so he's like a big, big, tall dude, you know. Um, and yeah, it's it, I like it, it's it's very funny because my favorite players to interview tend to be trench players. I like the way they talk about the game. They tend to have really fun senses of humor and like you know like good spirits, you know what I mean. And and like oftentimes in the draft process, they're getting more attention from the media than they ever got in college a little bit you know so they're, they're fun they're really fun to talk to um and so i like a like you know good long conversation with caleb and i like talking to all the trench players that, that are usually at these events problem is they're usually much, much much bigger than me um and so at least it's a pretty funny photo so i'll see if joe has a the mcgarry photo or not but that's I don't, probably the biggest dude I've i don't
0: have to. one of me standing actually i do want to have one of me standing next to him uh tano passing the defensive end yeah, from Villanova. Tano was like 6'8". Yeah, Tano like 6'7", 6'8", basically. And he was at the Senior Bowl and then obviously at the Combine. Fun fact is that my cousin grew up with Tano. And like is like best friends with Tano. You know, like grew up with him. They hung out all the time uh, before he went off to college. They didn't go to the same school. He didn't go to Villanova. So he's kept up with him a ton. He's really good friends. him. when he told me that, that he was good friends with Tano, I made sure to go up to him. At the Senior Bowl, introduced myself, chatted him up a little bit. And I did get a picture of him there. But the better picture is at the Combine, I was chatting with Tano again. And his hands came in at, I think, right around 11 inches, which is... I'm pretty sure, they uh,
1: if memory serves, they were 11 and an eighth. Like,
0: like, like,
1: absolutely
0: five massive 8. hands. And there is a picture of, I put my hand up against his just to take the picture and be like, we are somehow, uh, like, the same species. Right. Even though Tano is far more evolved, apparently, than I am. So, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a really funny picture of my hand up against Tano. So that's probably, uh, that probably answers the spirit of the question better than just the next, uh, the, the side-by-side. Scott asked, why is Hassis Dubois so wow. underrated? Shout out does he have the best wide receiver name in the draft? Got to be one of them. If not the best, got to be one of them, right? The, the, for everybody that doesn't know, Hasis Dubois, UVA wide receiver. Who is that? The UVA wide receiver. Right, well, what's his name? Hassis Dubois. Yeah, I just wanted to hear you say it again. Okay, all right, thank you. Uh, I'll take this as a compliment. Uh, I, I don't know how underrated he is. I mean, he he's. He's good. I think they force-fed him quite a bit. Was it during the Florida game that I was watching? I've only watched – I've really only watched Uh, Tessie I
1: I would guess that the Virginia that you saw was, yes, during the Florida game, Trevor. Well,
0: I've watched a couple of different Virginia games, but not like front to back. So I was trying to remember if there was a game that he was really going off that I was watching. But, no, I have not sat down to really watch him, so I cannot fully answer how underrated he might be in this class. But the second question Scott had was, how does the position change for Malcolm Perry uh, out of Navy go? would you or would he have been better this is would he have been better off switching to running back in the nfl sorry i can't read ben you ben you were watching malcolm a little bit the trying game right
1: yeah, yeah absolutely i took that's a good clips of him i wanted to see how well he was running routes what'd you think i like i like malcolm in terms of the athletic ability is clearly there. Uh, he, isn't he? he's not out here trying stuff right he knows what he's doing like he he's he's worked his routes and and he came in here with with some development right some understanding um there's technical stuff like you know he would he would run in the first day and he would separate against a corner but then he would not like flatten the route into the sideline to maintain leverage right so there's like technical stuff that comes with experience that he doesn't have but in terms of like understanding his release moves how to attack leverage he's, he's clearly worked on it athletically he's there his hands are super inconsistent right like he he multiple times he he, you know struck a ball outside of his frame clapped it and it popped out you know what i mean he doesn't have good catch technique yet i'm not sure he's better served going to running back because the 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 vision that you have to have to be a successful running back in the league requires years of experience to build in my opinion you can't just kind of uh, teach and have it those instincts so, I mean, he's going to be a gadget player, right? Like, if he sticks, he's going to be as, like, a running back, quarterback, wide receiver, do a lot of things for you, Taysom Hill sort of a dude, right? So, I don't think he's a functional receiver yet, but I do think that's his best path to, like, a permanent position in the league. But even if he makes it, it's going to be because he can do gadgety things in other positions. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, no, it does. It does. Yep. He's going to be And a then Aziz,
1: of a Jack I mean, Hasis is fun. Um, he's big dude. He's a long dude. Uh, I don't think he really separates... Um, not consistently, uh, obviously. Great. Uh, Senior man. Bowl and Shrine Game both um, shoot him for for other players. So, like, I I mean, like, he's got translatable traits. He's going to be on on a, on a roster. He's going to be at camp, but I don't see him as as a significantly special athlete or with any market skills that are
0: above that of a lot of other players. Graham said, rank these bowls: Shrine Bowl, Burrito Bowl, Bread Bowl, Todd Bowls.
1: I feel it, really bad about this one uh-huh. because I ended up putting a human being fourth. And oh, that's wow. not true. That's not real. That right. Couldn't, couldn't I mean, be me. Right. Which Todd Bowles is here. And as always, I love Todd Bowles because he always looks like he's smiling. And so I see him and I'm like, Oh, Todd Bowles is happy. No, Todd Bowles is just chilling, but he just has that natural
0: smiley face. Okay. Um, bread bowl was my number one. Burrito bowl. Was if my number you could two. put any kind of soup in a bread bowl, what are you putting in there? It's like you've got to
1: be like a creamy soup, like a creamy, like a, a cheddar and broccoli soup. It's something like that. that, New, that, England, that is. New England clam chowder. Right. It's got to be, cause it's gotta be thick enough that it stays yeah. in the bread. It doesn't just seep, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, something. yeah, right. Then burrito bowl, then shrine bowl, and then
0: Todd bowls. Um, Mine was burrito bowl, Todd bowls, shrine bowl, bread bowl. I think mainly just because I don't have bread bowls a lot. 'Cause it does not get oh, cold enough bread bowls. here for us to really utilize soup in a bread bowl. Although that's disappointing. Not hating on it. It is good. Which bowling tandem did you like best? West Indies, Ambrose and Walsh, Australia, McGrath and Warren, Pakistan, Youngness and Cram, or England, Anderson and Broad? Right. Obviously, very difficult question. There's yeah, a lot, tough. A, lot there's a lot of different. A lot of talent. There's just a lot of talent within these tandems.
1: Right. Now, I will say that the fact that Eunice and Akram managed 61 tests in 500, 50, 559 wickets in 61 tests is unbelievable uh, uh, efficiency. I would call Akram the greatest left arm paceman of all time. And. And, would you and,
0: would you yeah, yeah. You, you go out on a limb really, and say that
1: yeah, yeah i would you know i feel comfortable saying that as compared to all, all the other left-arm pacemen that are obviously very good in the league such yeah. as and him and obviously the other guy as well um and then uh, Eunice, obviously the speed is really what what uh unlocked his game so this is
0: how i feel i mean i got i think it's mcgrath and warren i really do it's a controversial opinion, Trevor. No, it, it's really not. You know, they, they both went out at the same time. And when you look at, you know, Warren's numbers kind of speak for themselves. He, you know, he was up there with the best of any of them. But then McGrath, his numbers weren't as good as some of the other guys in this list. But you got to remember, man, he had surgery and was out basically an entire year. And then had another 10-month period within his career in which he took away from the sport to be with his wife when she was battling cancer. So, like, this dude's numbers... And like as a tandem, I think potential-wise, when you look at just talent, Australia's McGrath and Warren, it's got to be them. That's I'm, I'm I'm caping for them. I'm putting my foot down. I think that they were two of the best uh, at what they did, and the numbers could have been even better given the circumstances. So, and I love that they both kind of followed each other into retirement. That was that was a really cool thing too. I really like that. So, in a second part of this question. Now, a serious question: Which side of the line would be more of a priority for the Vikings, three tech or guard? Unlikely to get a high-end tackle at our pick, is what he said.
1: I think you have to go. You, I mean, you've now in back-to-back drafts drafted highly-rated into your offensive linemen. and like Elflin hasn't been great, and Bradbury is obviously in year one was a limited player because some of the anchor and pass protection was was prohibitively bad. That's uh, something that he's going to have to shore up and continue to gain mass at the NFL level, improve his anchor, improve his pass blocking technique, whatever. But well, you've now doubled up on highly ranked interior offensive linemen, drafting them in the early rounds. You have to start pouring money, I think, into the other side of the trenches. You have to let those guys continue to gain starting time, not have to deal with camp competitions and see if they can develop and see if you can have stability there. I know Alvin's not a good player, but I think you have enough functional backups right now that if he's just that bad you can take him off the field and address it later so i would go three tech uh, i think that you've been lacking for a good interior pass rush opposite or i should say between uh, everson griffin and, and daniel hunter for a couple of years now i know we wanted jaleel johnson to become that i know we wanted Hercules Mataafa to become that but neither has uh, and so let's let's go early there let's get a three tech who can play on base downs you can take the field for all three downs i think that that helps complete your front seven. Obviously, corner is also a big potential round one to need for the Vikings. Sure. But if we're sticking just in trenches, I would probably prioritize three-tech.
0: I would prioritize three-tech as well. I, I think, though, I would like for Minnesota to get a guard more, but because of the way this class shapes up, you're not going to draft a – I don't think you're drafting a guard in the first round. Right, so. unless you're
1: drafting Nick Harris yeah, that early uh, to play guard. So that's He played why... guard before he played center, which so like – and he fits the, uh, he fits the mold right. of what they like. Yeah. But also, I'm, I'm not sure the value is great there I relative think, to like... I think the Vikings would love to
0: get Nick Harris. 100%. At 20... But that's the thing. Four, like at, where at, were they
1: picking? 25? Uh,
0: 25?
1: 25. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, Nick Harris at 25, I could get behind. I really could. For
0: certain teams, I think Minnesota's one of them, but I do end up yeah, thinking yeah, yeah. that they end up going 3-tech just because well, of the Well, we should say... Assuming Minnesota
1: retains the structure on offense left over by Stefanski, they still have to make sure that they, from what I understand, it's they true. haven't promoted uh, a somebody a, the a, a, a offensive coordinator yet. So we have to make sure the offense stays as schemed. In order to say Harris is a scheme fit. But what, for what we know right now, then yes.
0: Quinn asked question for Tampa Bay Trey to me. We know, Ben, you can answer this question too. I'm opening it up to you. We know that a draftable plate of barbecue in Mobile requires three sides minimum, because that's the rule, my friends. Anytime we eat barbecue, three sides at the minimum. But what does a blue chip first round plate look like? I think it differs, certainly wherever you are. Um, You know, if you're in Texas, you're 100% prioritizing brisket. If you're in the Carolinas, you're looking pulled pork. If you're in Memphis or or St. Louis, I feel like you're doing ribs. You know, like that's the main part, and then I think the sides are different every place. So I'll just exp- I'll just say this before I answer the question: People ask me, "Hey, why do you do three sides minimum for barbecue?" And it's not just because we're gluttonous, although that could also be an argument that we have. The reason why you do three sides minimum at a barbecue place, and the reason why we have the hashtag and we and we we set up and it's our creed, is because barbecue places so much more so than it seems any other kind of cuisine can have different signature things about them. Like, if you go to one barbecue place, even it's even if it's the same style, like, if you go to a, a Carolina barbecue place, you know you're probably going to get good pulled pork. Like, that's just, like, the way it's going to come. Or you're going to get great chicken. That's something that's a staple of a Carolina barbecue. But within each different place that you go to, one of them might do sides better than the other. Like one of them might have really great coleslaw or one of them might have really good mac and cheese or really good collards, something like that. But you never know with different barbecue places. You probably know what kind of meat you're getting better than you do what sides. So everybody's got their preference of what they like. But the reason I say three sides minimum is because you got to find out what this place does really well. And I don't think you can do that when you only give yourself the chance to order two or one sides at a barbecue place. You got to order three, diversify your taste buds, get out and try different parts of what might make the barbecue place that you're at. Great. Because a lot of barbecue places, certainly ones that aren't chains, they're like homegrown recipes, you know? So they're like Stuff right. that's passed down, stuff that's like years of perfecting, but you never know exactly which dish it's going to be or which side dish that it's going to be. So I always order at least three sides because I want to figure out and try what a place does really, really well. My top plate would probably be brisket as the meat, mac and cheese as a side, baked beans as a side, and collards as a side with, of course, sweet tea and a crap ton of ice from top to bottom so it's ice cold when I'm taking a sip. That's my blue chip barbecue plate.
1: Okay, Kenny. I mean I have no. I, I I adhere to your church of three sides. I am an acolyte, so I whatever you say goes.
0: Appreciate it. Wow, this is what support feels like. Kenny has <laughs> can Delpit be a primary free safety who plays over the middle, who plays over the middle third of the field the majority of the game asking for your opinions on his ability to play that position in a Todd Bowles scheme. Ben, first off, do you have just general opinions on Delpit being a potential free safety player at heart?
1: Right, so here's the tricky thing, is that Delpit's biggest issues right now is when he's coming into tackle on a runway, right? So he's got to close a ton of distance. The angles that he takes in the body position that he has are bad. They're bad. They're not good. They're bad. It's not good. It's bad. If we play him at a strong safety position where he's able to man cover, where he's able to play in short zones and get quickly connected to routes as they break, you know, like uh, LSU put him over number three, put him over number two a lot when they saw, you know, empty sets, four wide sets. He's a much more effective player there than he is playing free because you hide his his, his inabilities. You hide his weaknesses when he's there. So we, we, we start with that. Free safeties are more valuable than box safeties. Free safeties are are rarer and good ones have a far greater impact than good box ones. A good free safety has a greater impact on your team than a good box safety because having a good free safety allows you to go single high. Having a good free safety allows you to get an extra player in the box. You still have the range to impact throws long late deep outside of the numbers and those are the throws that are difficult for a quarterback but they can really hurt your defense if they're able to win them consistently right if you're able to win one-on-one coverage on the man on the uh, one-on-one man coverage on the outside with your quarterback and your receivers you're going to move the ball down the field ask lsu offense right i mean they fed this route so delpit is the tackling issue prohibitively bad enough that you would rather play him at strong than free? That's the tough question. Hmm. He has the requisite skills to be an impact pass defender from free safety. But when he has to step down and fill like you know, a boundary screen in a ton of space, he is a very inconsistent, un- untrustworthy player. So you're, co- you're concerned about what he means when he's the last player of your defense. He's the last hope for a tackle. That is not a good feeling. So the answer is really, I don't know. It depends on how much risk you'd like to incur, and it depends on your other options at safety because he's going to be a better strong than he's going to be a free. But it might not be so much better that he'd have a bigger impact on your defense as strong than free. Does that Mm. make sense?
0: Yeah, it does. Certainly, anytime you play single high, that's the highest impact that I feel that you could have on a safety at a a level playing field. Certainly for different teams and different schemes, it might be a little bit different. For Todd Bowles, it's, it's... Depending on where you play him, it just depends on who you're replacing him with. I would assume that he wouldn't be replacing Jordan Whitehead. i assume that he would be replacing the other side. So Jordan would be more of the box downhill type of safety, and Grant Delbert would be more of the rangy kind of guy. And I like Delbert's range. I really do. I think he's got the athleticism to go from the numbers or even the sidelines. He's got good ball skills. I just I, I don't really know what to make of this year. It was a really weird year. Although to be fair, I have not gone back and really like sat down and just watched Grant Delpit. It's a lot have been live viewing stuff and and stuff from earlier in the season that I saw. So I think that he could play safety, but I just have left less confidence in Delpit overall than I did going into the year, and I don't like that. So right. let me hold off on necessarily answering this with finality. I'm going to take a look at him over the next month or so, really getting his tape. Because his evaluation, I think, is important for me, especially as a guy that I had as the number one player going into the class. So that's where he would play in a Todd Bowles scheme. I think it fits, as long as he's willing to do what he was doing the two prior years and, and not as much of what he was doing this year. We got two more questions, okay? The first one, what is the biggest animal you think you could beat in a fight with both hands tied behind your back? Chicken.
1: Chickens I think... are bigger than people think. All right. Got some heft to them. Got some size. But they're non-aggressive, and I can kick them. See, uh,
0: okay, so Could I'm going to handle
1: something with four legs. Too much fast. Too much movement. Two <laughs> legs. Can't really move that much.
0: I think I'm going to shoot somewhat high, and I'm going to go for, like, a fully grown pig. You could it. See, I, thought not I was a like, oh, like, I'm I'm not like a, really like a hog. I'm not talking about a hog. Hog would kill me. You think Listen, pigs can get moving when
1: they want to and then you're not gonna deal enough damage to the pig. The pig I think pig.
0: if I yeah, if listen, if I if I get a couple of good shots on, I think that I could I think that I could take a pig. No. I'm gonna take a pig. Chicken. Chicken? Maybe a pheasant. <laughs> Thank you for throwing that in there just because Kevin said, what do you think of the new term presidential prospect floating around on the NFL Draft Reddit page? So there was a post on the NFL Draft Reddit tab that basically was somebody saying, I'm tired of hearing the term generational prospect, right? We hear that all the time, and generational prospects should really be guys that come around once every 20, 25 years. But instead, we hear the term generational prospect all the time. We hear them Basically, every every draft cycle, it seems like somebody else is, is creeping into getting that title. So he proposes that we start calling people presidential prospects, which, as you would expect, are some of the best guys to come around every four to eight years via a presidential term or two. I thought it was interesting. I don't think it's going to catch on. But it was an interesting concept. Did you read this one? Did you read the Reddit post? I did. I'd like to open by saying this. Okay.
1: NFL Reddit is the best place in the world. Well, y'all without are a doubt, absolutely nuts. No, right? without a doubt. Every single one of you is insane, and I love it. And I will never, ever go there in my entire life. But anytime I see a screenshot from NFL Reddit, I read the whole thing. Because y'all are bananas. Secondly, I agree the term generational prospect denotatively makes no sense. It's how I feel about the word elite, the adjective describing traits and players, which we talked about like last week. Uh, And I would probably feel the same way with this presidential concept because there'd be no way to rigorously decide that you use, use it really only once every four years, right? Nobody would adhere to that. Everybody wanted to use it because you want to be, you want to embellish, you want to have the strongest opinion about a prospect. You want to have the highest opinion on him. You want to always one up the last guy who talked about him so that you were the guy who was higher on him than anybody else. So that when he's good, you were right. So we have to understand we just live, we live at the ends of the poles. We do not live in the center of the spectrum. We live, you know, uh, 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 extremely. We live at the extremes. So there's no battle to be won here. There's no way to, to, to uh, install a discourse-wide change in the vernacular. It just won't happen. So just do it yourself, right? Like I, I try to be very careful with where I say elite. I try to be very careful with where I say generational. Do your best to describe the prospects the way you believe them to be. Choose your words carefully and continue to come up with ideas like this because they're good. They just won't work.
0: Words are important. Expand your vocabulary. The English language is vast enough for you to come up with a sentence exactly the way that you want it to come off with the words that exist. So we don't have to just sit here and only use a couple of terms to describe prospects. I promise you the language is big enough to say exactly what you want to say without getting too hyperbolic with whatever it is you're trying to describe. What a scouting note. Words are important. That's the parting words. That's the podcast. What a walk-off. Am I right, Ben? I love that. Thank you. it's From a guy that I feel like I learn new words from all the time. I figured that you would like that, uh that you would like that ending there. Words are important. Alright, boys and girls. That's it for this episode of the Fan Friday Podcast. We had so many questions that we didn't even get to. I'm so sorry you guys were flooding them in this week. We really, really appreciate it. Please, please, if we didn't answer those and they're still relevant next week, hold on to them. Get them in early. Get them in on the show. We will see you guys next week for that Fan Friday Podcast then. But we'll, of course, be back with you on Monday because we got a ton of stuff to talk about next week. The playoffs in the NFL are coming to a close. We've only got two games left before the Super Bowl. Those both happening on Sunday. Ben and I will be back to recap all of that stuff. And then, man, we're going to be in Mobile all week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, giving you guys wall-to-wall coverage of the Senior Bowl live from Mobile, Alabama. Super excited. Maybe Ben and I can actually record in the same place that time. I don't know. Crazy concept, right? I mean, he's like right down the road, and we didn't even get to do it this time. Maybe we'll actually get to in mobile. Who knows? Get a little crazy. Do a podcast in the same room.
1: Maybe we'll go to opposite ends of a room and do it on our own microphones facing the corners.
0: Oh yeah, that might be good. That'll take that'll take our chemistry to the next level. Doing it in the same room. If you guys thought that we were weird now, (laughs) just wait until next week. It's gonna pop off. Everybody, look out for TDM premium. Buy it. It's gonna be awesome. Ben and I will be with you guys next week. Until then. You guys keep it locked right here on Lockdown NFL Draft.